This episode of the Hoosier Health Podcast, we sit down with Mary Ann Whitebrock. Now, Mary Ann has been a critical care nurse for a number of years, and over the time of working the bedside, um, she noticed that her body was breaking down. Uh, a lot of musculoskeletal demands from folks taking care of patients at the bedside. In fact, the American Nursing Association says that on an average eight-hour shift, a bedside caregiver moves 1.8 tons, which is 3,600 pounds. The ANA also says about 50% of bedside caregivers show up to work every day with chronic shoulder and back pain, and around 12% of nurses leave the workforce every year due to musculoskeletal injury. Now, Mary Ann lived that, and she decided to pivot in her career, noticing that she couldn't be a bedside nurse forever. And so that pivot took her down the road of entrepreneurialism. And she is now a business owner. Uh, The business is called Cardinal Elements, and she focuses on her patients' fitness, nutrition, and medication management, um, all in conjunction with their primary caregiver. In addition to Cardinal Elements, she also tells us about a new walking and biking trail that's going to cross the entire state of Indiana. So let's dive in with this episode of the Hoosier Health Podcast as Marianne tells us a little bit about her background. Well, my name is Marianne Whitebrock. I've been a registered nurse for many years, and it's been very interesting career to have. It's one of those jobs that you love, um, but you work really, really hard. So the, uh, the the best thing that I liked was the patient contact and the, you know, the, the clinical part of it, talking with them, helping them with their medicines or assessing them and just spending time with them because you are at the bedside, you are the nurse, and you are the link to the doctor. And so you really get to understand what the whole picture of what the patient's doing. So that's great. And you said um, in a previous conversation, you spent a lot of time in the critical care setting earlier in your career. Um, Help me understand uh, how that went for you and and what you learned um, through that process. I worked with patients after cardiac arrest, open heart surgeries, heart failures, uh, um, heart attacks, uh, anything to do with the heart. And then when you have something wrong with your heart, you have other things like diabetes, hypertension, uh, strokes. Uh, You might be on a ventilator. Uh, You might be on dialysis. Uh, in a critical care unit, you take care of a lot of, you take care of only one or two patients, but they're very intensive. So you may have multiple drips, blood products, uh, and, and it's very intensive, but you get more time with the patient than you are in, on a floor where you have 10 or 20 patients. Hmm. Okay, so you got that more individualized approach, you know, and, and focusing on a multitude of things, it sounds like, with a critically ill patient. Um, so balancing all that, I'm sure, kept you on your toes. Yes, and it's, uh, it's, it's really, uh, it, t- it takes a while to learn all that. And so if you want to be a nurse, be a nurse, because it's a great career, but be patient with the trying to to get in there and be a specialist. And uh, I was a critical care registered nurse for many years and it kept me on top of my game. I I was able to make sure that I had the best for my patient. And and you had, um, 
I think you said in your career, later in your career, decided to go back and get your master's. Help me understand how you, you were an accomplished critical care nurse. You know, you, you had your stride. You, you kind of got things down. And, and I think, you know, we'll dive into some of the research that you uh, ended up getting into. But um, before we do that, you know, um, you decided to go back to school. What prompted that? And uh, tell me about that. So bedside nursing can be difficult uh, and it's uh, can wear and tear on your muscles in your body. And I was there for longer than most people in a critical care unit. And so I uh, was able to really enjoy that aspect, but I didn't know if I could spend the rest of my life doing that. So getting advanced practice nurse, I went, I was really interested in the clinical nurse specialist role. And it was offered uh, at the IUPUI where I took my basic nursing uh, courses. And that really, the clinical nurse specialist has a different perspective. There are four um, advanced practice nurses. There's a nurse practitioner, clinical nurse specialist, nurse anesthetist, and the nurse midwife. And I picked the clinical nurse specialist because it works on the nursing model. And I really believe in the nursing model. We care. We, we actually create our own diagnoses. We have our own interventions. And we work on basics of living. So fitness, nutrition, and medications. That's what you do at the bedside. You help the patient move. You help the patient take their meds and understand their meds. And you help the patient get the right nutrition or fluids electrolytes and that's what really was my calling and I didn't necessarily want to write scripts and and do diagnosis like the nurse practitioner now the nurse practitioner will do some of this and all of the nurse advanced practice nurses will do some of this but the clinical nurse specialist actually has three spheres one of them is the direct patient contact and that's where I like to shine and work one-on-one -on -one with the clients in my office. The other one is working with a group of nurses or a group of people. And I do do group work in uh, the, the clinical setting or I also do it in the work setting. And helping groups of nurses or patients or uh, work sites move their wellness forward. Um, and then the other, the third sphere is the system, helping the system work for the patient. And so you have to get the policies and all of the uh, fires ironed out and the supplies and everything in the right order to make that work. And so that's kind of where I uh, really like to focus my attention. Well, that's good. And I'm sure that's helped you um, in your journey of, of now being a business owner. Um, and we'll talk about Cardinal Elements here in a minute. Um, before we do, I know you are a published um, author of uh, a journal article that was um, out, I think, what was it, 2019? So last year. Um, help me understand uh, the gist of that article and what got you excited about this research. I was asked to write an article and I was given a long list of topics. And I chose the one on um, moving uh, and I'd really spent my career uh, helping the patients move um, safer and actually helping them move more to keep them um, more up on their activity level and not get as weak. The, um, 
also the actual critical care unit patient can be definitely uh, bed rest and not moving as well. And so really helping them move as much as they can. And all of my, actually, I've thought about it since talking with you, all of my projects in my uh, master's program had to do with function in some format. And it, it really helped bring the research out and show me that, you know, even more so that that is so very important for the patient. And so I chose that to write as the article. And it was uh, actually, they liked it so much, they published it right away and they put it out online free. And so I was very excited. Now, it may be difficult for the um, non-medical person to read that, but I'm using the, the information in that with my patients every day. Interesting. So when you think of the lowest of the low that folks might be in, uh, be in regarding mobility status, so on pressors, on a vent, just knocked out, you know, in an ICU, um, you, you're, you're thinking about, okay, how do I start this journey of mobility and regain their strength and, and get them on the road to recovery? So you saw that and then were able to then study that and now apply it uh, with your, your you know, let's say, walkie-talkie patients in your cardinal elements practice. That, that's pretty neat. It is. It is really neat to see them in all transitions of life. And so uh, whether you're a two-year-old or an 80-year-old or a 50-year-old with knee replacements or a heart failure patient that's still trying to work when you're 56, there's things that you can do and should be doing and the research is out there. And I actually just wrote an another article this week on um, how stretching and moving is so very important to your health and to reducing your risk factors. Well, that's great. I'm excited to, to read that article, Marianne. Um, so let's dive into Cardinal Elements. So your, your business um, that you're, you're operating and have been running for a while, tell me about the practice and, and, um, and what you're doing for your patients. So cardinal elements, uh, actually the, the term cardinal is, it's uh, the red bird, it's the state bird, but it's also the heart basically, so red, and then elements. And then the elements are, again, the fitness, nutrition, and medications. Those are the key points that I help people move them to better their wellness. And Really, it's kind of hard to do, you know, you can do one without the other, but they're like, well, I've got knee problems and I can't move as much and I want to do this weight loss program. Well, I actually show them methods that they can do to helping them move more to their abilities without pain and actually helping them uh, move that wellness um, dial higher so that their diabetes is better, their blood pressures are better and they're, they're feeling better, their digestion's better. And I see this every day in my office and it's very encouraging. So I do have a weight loss studio, it's located in Cumberland and you can come to that office. It's one-on-one -on -one private sessions. It is 100% covered by insurance. And I do make sure that that's the way that that is billed and, and so that you don't have any out-of-pocket out fees. And then I continue working with you. It, 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 I get to spend much more time with you than your family doctor does. And actually I have the, 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 the nutrition and the fitness that you can, that they can live with. And so that in six months or longer, they're still living the same life. They're still having 
uh, the same successes and I hear back from people, oh yeah, I'm still on your program and it still is working for me. Why wouldn't anybody take advantage of you as a resource, especially if uh, insurance is going to cover it? Well, it's lack of knowledge, so they don't know about it. But also, um, it's not for everyone. I mean, some people don't like the one-on-one getting into your lifestyle, you know, knowing what you eat every day. And that's where sometimes the gym might be where you can just go and be absorbed into the numbers. But I also work with people going to gyms and going with to a physical trainer. And so I'm the nutritionist part of that. And so if you're already in a program, I'm not going to change what you're doing with that personal trainer. And so it's a very good relationship. I'm getting referrals from physical therapy departments, um, primary care doctors, uh, Healthy 365 team in Hancock County. Uh, and it's it's a great uh partnership to help improve the wellness in our community. I love the collaboration there between all the disciplines and, and your ability to, to play a huge part in that for the patient. Um, you know, I'm sure you've got multitudes of, of patient success stories, but if you don't mind, could you share one with me? I had a COVID patient and I uh, will we'll talk about him. He uh, came to my office uh, maybe February and I did an assessment with him and I was concerned about his, his health and his, what, what, what I was seeing. And so actually I sent him to his cardiologist right away. I said, you need to go see your cardiologist. And he did. And uh, he ended up with the COVID. Now I don't know where his contact with that was, but then he ended up on the ventilator. He ended up um, uh, with in the ICU on a with a feeding tube and a peg tube and the 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 pick line, and he was sick. He was your COVID sick patient, but he recovered and he got better, and he went to rehab and he was good. And then he was released from rehab and he's back home and he's trying to get back to life. And he comes back to see me. He, he was then positive, or I'm sorry, tested COVID negative. So he got to come back to my office. Uh, before that, I was able to do telehealth with him. Uh, so the telehealth was actually uh, a vid- visual, verbal view where we could see each other across on the computer or the phone and we could talk to each other. I could make my assessments and it was 100% covered by insurance. So he was covered during that transition time. And then when he was able to be COVID negative, he could come back into the office and he still has some weaknesses that he has and some nutrition deficits. And we're working with him to get him back up to where he was before Uh, actually to be better than what he was in the beginning. Any cognitive uh, impairment? I've been doing a lot of research recently on uh, post-intensive care syndrome. uh, And I know there's a lot of folks in the uh, healthcare area that are researching the effects or potential effects of all these very sick patients from COVID-19 and what that aftermath or recovery might look like. Oh, he had some forgetfulness that he was frustrated with in the beginning. But I think that's kind of clearing as he gets things moving more. And and I do believe that that's going to resolve for him. 
Uh, and so he's, uh, you know, in the beginning, right after, you know, when trying to meet with him and, you know, his wife was there to help reminding for things. But when you're in a critical care unit on drugs, on a ventilator, there's, there's that, it's kind of like a jet lag thing. You're, you're missing time. You're missing just parts of your life, but then the medicines really, it takes a while to clear those depending on how, how well your liver's functioning. And so it's uh, to say that it's unusual, that's probably typical for IC patients, but the world is much more aware of what a critical care patient is nowadays and the implications of that. I think the focus is great. And I, and I love the, you know, you got to be there at the bedside for those critically ill patients in earlier on in your career. And as I mentioned before, now you get to help them after they're, they're um, discharged, you know, and so that's got to be pretty cool to see that other side of their journey, you know, and specifically, you know, a, a patient in your own practice recovering from COVID. So um, that's great. Keep, keep doing it. I'm sure that means a lot um, for your patients, especially those uh, that are dealing with um, the challenges that you just mentioned. Well, I also work directly with your physician and the physicians in this area are aware of me. They know what I'm doing. I've marketed them. I've introduced myself. And so they're, they're aware of what I'm doing. And so they're sending me the, my lab results requested, but then I'm also sending them information about their patient when things aren't right or when there needs to be an adjustment. And so there's that communication going on. And that's exciting because then that's that helping close that loop for that patient to really make sure that all their needs are met. And that's just uh, everyone should have a nurse. And and on the lines of motivation, I'm sure when you're getting into the conversations, we we had a a guest on the podcast that was a diabetes care and education specialist. And and he really hit on the mental aspects of, um, you know, discipline with your diet and and staying, um, you know, uh, regimented with your uh, medications. And so there's a big uh, motivation factor, I'm sure, that you have to address with your patients. How do you do that when somebody, you know, is, is struggling with um, diet or exercise, how do you help motivate them? You have to do a deep dive into what's going on. And so if they're having problems with uh, family or work or other stressors, you kind of have to work through those uh, because you can't just say, well, you know, let's just do this. And so in my practice, I'm able to listen to them, let them ventilate, let them work that out somewhat and, and then help them with some tools for their toolbox to help them with stress reduction, uh, relationships and the, the whole thing. And all of those then when they can, and, and I see that when they can actually uh, work through those, they can move forward and then actually help themselves. Are you kind of a psychologist as well? I have had, when you're a nurse, you do get uh, some psych along with it a little bit, uh, but you also, when, with my master's program, one of my uh, actual clinicals was on stress and coping, and so I spent, uh, I had so many hours uh, in a clinical setting and looking at the research and working with patients on uh, stress and coping. And that was, is vital to, to the patient's health. And you have to include that, you know, you have to include sleep, you have to include 
water. You know, of course, you have to include all the variables to actually make wellness work. I, I guess the psychological component comes up in so many different ways. And I think the uh, increased awareness around mental health, especially with the pandemic and everything going on, you know, we, we need to really, um, you know, focus on that. How do we, you know, take care of ourselves? How do we have a preventative mindset? You know, and I, I think you try to instill that within your patients. I, I, I get a common theme of prevention from you when you talk. It's better than having these diseases where, you know, diabetes is so debilitating when you're losing your fingers and toes and legs and organs, you know, kidneys, eyes, and, and your heart being at risk. You know, and high blood pressure is the same. High blood pressure is less uh, identifiable to the public. And, and there's so many people out there with high blood pressure they're at risk. They don't know they have high blood pressure. They should be 120 over 80 or less. And the population is not there. And that's one thing during the COVID and telehealth, I couldn't take blood pressures. And I'm doing that again now in the office. But I want to go around and take everybody's blood pressures because I've had a friend die of high blood pressure uh, and the complications related to that. And so that there, there, it's out there, and people don't realize you don't feel high blood pressure until it starts uh, working against your organs, like your heart and your kidneys. So, really, the the best form of prevention there is to know your numbers. That's good. Yes, and so if you want a blood pressure check, come come see me, and I'll check your blood pressure. Well, Marianne, I know you are kind of a renaissance woman, um, believe you've got a, an affinity towards nature, and that's uh, getting you into um, the Penzi Trails of Hancock County. So if you could enlighten us on that side of your um, skill set and, uh, and passion, that'd be great. I am the president of the Penzi Trails of Hancock County, and I'm so very excited to let you know that this trail is going to run east to west between uh, Richmond and Terre Haute, all the way across the state, along the uh, US 40, which is the National Road Heritage Trail. And we have the statewide group that's working together in different counties, basically, and I'm the Hancock County person. And we're very excited that the uh, we are have a, a mile of trail that's going to uh, go to bid and get constructed in 2021. And it's so very exciting. And we're working on a trailhead. We've had a lot of volunteers helping. And we're doing habitat restoration because the property needs managed instead with all this honeysuckle that is there. The really cool thing is, is a lot of people in this area that live around that one little mile, there's three housing additions and a, a apartment complex. They're going to have access, safe access to walking. And outdoor walking is one of the best things that you can do for yourself. And they're going to have access to that. And then uh, I actually was at the uh, Hancock County Council meeting this morning, working to get them to extend the trail further and had uh, presented uh, an opportunity for them. And so we're working on that. And there are opportunities across the county. So if you're interested, for more information, you can go to pinnytrails.org. Yeah, that's that's perfect for especially your uh, tie-in with health and wellness and motivating folks to get out and exercise. What better way than to provide them with, um, you know, a trail that's dedicated, you know, for biking and walking. And um, I'm, I'm sure that's right up your alley. It, it is. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to uh, 
uh, lead the county into getting this trail completed. I want to let folks know how to find you, Mary Ann. If you could help us, um, maybe do you have a website uh, we could get out there? I have a beautiful website. It's cardinalelements.com. And and there you can have a contact page. You can see all about me. You can see about the programs that I do for the individual in the office and telehealth and also the work setting. I also do have some work settings that I go to and have been doing telehealth with them throughout this COVID time in helping them maintain their wellness because we all needed to have wellness in our picture during this time. And so cardinalelements.com can help you with some more information. Contact me and uh, we'll get together. I appreciate that information. Hopefully people take the time to check out your website or give you a call. Sounds like you offer a great resource to patients uh, here in the Indiana area and uh, excited about the Penzi Trail as well. So really appreciate you being a guest on the Hoosier Health Podcast. Thank you, Pete. It was great to share wellness with you. Well, thanks for sharing wellness with us, Marianne. And, and here are a couple key takeaways from our episode today. One is that there are options for additional support and those options can be covered by insurance. So uh, reach out to your primary care providers or maybe even your insurance company to find out some local support services in your area. In addition to that, we found out nursing is a versatile profession. Now we've known this, we've seen nurses do different things in healthcare um, in addition to the hospital setting. Uh, as well as outpatient, but also in their own business. And and nurses can be business owners. Um, The other thing that we learned was how Indiana is creating and developing an extensive trail system of the former railroad sites. And this is gonna be an awesome tool for Hoosiers to get out, have a safe place to exercise, walk, ride their bike, and uh, obviously uh, live the, uh, the lifestyle that Marianne is preaching with her business. So um, that concludes this episode of the Hoosier Health Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. And remember, health is wealth.